This is uh, Kevin Evans with Crossroads Assembly of God Church, and I am teaching the chapter-by-chapter chapter life class, and we are venturing into the deep waters of the Gospel of John today. Last week, we began what is called the prologue in chapter 1, which is essentially a well-practiced poem of a summary of Christ's life that John has evidently been using throughout his ministry and polished to a fine glean, and it is loaded and dense, and if I'm not mistaken, we got through three whole verses of it last week. So, um, I'm going to read the whole preamble again, and then I think we need to pick it up somewhere around verse 6. Uh, so beginning at uh, chapter, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Now I'll stop there. Uh, so last week we talked about uh, the word and what that meant to both the Hebrews and the Greeks. And John is subtly changing the meaning of both of those words, but it relates to both of those audiences in, 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 in a profound way. And so both of them are going to understand this in essentially the way it, it ends up where John wants it. Uh, and so John begins that way. I think he's practiced at preaching to both Hebrews and Greeks, and he's figured out that he, this message works for both. So he's sticking that at the top, you know. Uh, and then after he gets through verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has understood it. He's uh, also referring to kind of an Old Testament metaphor of the word being God and light being knowledge or light being God's glory. And so that's how he's using that word. And then we get to verse 6 and it shifts gears because... Uh, we're, we're working under the basic assumption that John is writing this at the end of his lifetime. Uh, it may have been a bit before, but it was certainly significantly after the first three synoptic gospels are written. And a number of things were happening historically in the church that he's having to deal with, which Brother Yek touched on last week before I shut him down. But now we're going to go there. So... You almost didn't come back. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did kind of. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, uh, so what's happening is that people, uh, we, we've got this growing gospel, and uh, people are following Christianity, 
And uh, these Christian communities are popping up as the apostles are preaching the word, and it's growing rapidly. So, of course, we've got opportunists and sometimes just flat crazy people stepping in and uh, saying, well, all of that's true. Hey, you Christians, listen to what I got to say. And they add something different and weird and off topic and they draw those people away. And we have these splinterings in the gospel. And one of the big groups of splinters is generally called the Gnostics, and, uh, that, which it comes from a word meaning knowledge. And basically they were saying that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you directly into your mind and give you an understanding of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and here's what he said. And, and, and then they kind of take the basic gospel off its center. And Yek is like sitting on pins at this point. So really? Have I got it so far or you want to you clash with me? Okay, okay, okay. So uh, one of those things that they had a real problem with is the fact that Christ was God and man. Because how can you be God and man? He was either man or he was God. And this is actually an old argument within the Greek society because they had this character named Hercules who started off as a man and then they turn him into a God and then all the old school folks go, oh, wait a minute, that can't be right. And they're, they're dredging up these old arguments and applying them here. Oh, wait, you're, you're doing that Hercules thing again with this man-God thing. And so they come up with this new revelation. So God was, was, was God, but he wasn't really man. But he looked like a man since he was here and you guys saw him all. But, you know, when he walked, he, uh, my favorite, he didn't leave tracks. So if you walked across the beach, there would be no little footsteps, you know, with Jesus carrying you. He was all spirit. Yeah, it does. It ruins the footprint poem entirely. I thought that was the first thing I thought about when I read that. And there were another other things. So, so they were teaching these weird little uh, deviating caveats that 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 drug it off into non Christianity very quickly, and. Uh, Yeck, are you wanting to jump in here? Because no, I'm, I'm willing no. to let you go no, right no, now. No, okay. Because it looked like, you know, you were just... He's a know-it-all. Keep him locked up over there. Okay. Well, no, it, it, he's eventually going to jump in. So, you know, he can't stop. That's a challenge. I might be quiet this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. He's doing a wonderful job. So, John does not, in his gospel, say... That dude that was preaching here in this synagogue last week about that Gnostic stuff, he's just wrong. Okay, he may have done that before the message. But in this message, it's, he's just telling the truth. He's telling his story. And his story, at its essence, contradicts everything else that they're teaching. And so he's making sure that in this gospel, he addresses all of those issues that are, are, are coming up, which is why we jump straight into John the Baptist. And there's actually saw a commentary that, that they believe there was a cult of John the Baptist that was going on at the same time, too. I don't know a whole lot about them. Uh, that was your cue, in case you do. Oh, okay. It didn't last very long. Yeah, it, it, it died pretty quick. 
So basically, you know, John said, you know, follow him, and most of the vast majority of his people followed Christ. But then we have those weird diehards who, who kept hanging around John the Baptist, even though John the Baptist said, go follow Christ. And uh, so he still had this little following. You mean churches have a thing about a cult of personality with preachers sometimes? I, I've noticed that it happened. I, I, I broke my thing. I said I was going to You did. <laughs> yeah, I, I had every confidence in you. Um, uh, and yeah, that was bait for me. Uh, I've noticed that that happens. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. We'll just let that simmer. Yeah. Okay. So... John says, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He's not referring to himself. He never refers to himself in his own gospel. It's always John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might be saved. So John is the witness. He is not the light. So all you followers of John, listen to me. John is the witness and not the light. And he's so used to saying that, he sticks it right in there in the middle of his poem. And through him that all men might believe, he himself was not the light. Just in case you missed it in the first sentence, he's not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Oh my goodness, he's repetitive. The true light that gives light to every man is coming to the world. So. Uh, most people feel that that's a disclamation, de 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 uh, is that a word, of the John cult, you know, and maybe the Gnostics to a certain degree, depending on whatever they were spewing, because it's hard to lock down exactly what Gnosticism was following because it kind of changed depending on who was preaching, you know. Whatever captured your mind. Yeah, it's, it's whatever revelation get the Spirit just gave. Let's say it's the Lord, then you can say whatever. Right, right. You saying John the Baptist wrote John? No. 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 I'm saying John the Apostle wrote John. But when John refers to John in John's gospel, it's not John the Apostle, it's John the Baptist. Okay. Those aren't the only two Johns, by the way. Anyway. He refers to me as quite the assembly of no, but I will now. <laughs> I'll take that too, actually. Okay. Um, oh, stop. Stop. I'll give him that one. Hey, that was a good one. Yeah, that was. You get points. Okay. So, uh, he, referring to Christ, not John, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So, Christ existed as the light before the earth was made. Christ is the creator who makes the world because Christ and God are the same person. And then God, Christ, steps into creation, which is the big, profound, difficult thought for us to get our head around. So 
God becomes part of the creation in Christ. Now, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So he steps into the world, but the world doesn't recognize him. And I'm not sure if this is the place where you've got the translational issue. I think it's the next sentence. Uh, let's go to number 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay, in the Greek, uh, the word own has gender, uh, like the romantic languages. And the first own is a neutral own. And the second own is a masculine own. And so when you translate that into English, which is non-gender, it loses something. And so what John is saying is that he came into that which was his own, the thing, this, this, this creation. He stepped into his natural world, surrounded by air and dirt and trees. And then his own, masculine, is referring to people, did not receive him. So creation received him. The people did not receive him. And if you look at Christ's life, that's true. The natural world respects Christ. When Christ goes walking across the ocean, it holds him up. When Christ speaks to the storm, the storm quits. When he cursed the fig tree, it died. It died. Uh, really, you can look at every miracle that he performs because it's either a natural thing like turning water into wine or he, it's a healing. All of that is natural world. The world obeys God. That's, that is pretty interesting, Tim, and I have to give you that. That was from my wife. She never compliments me. She's on her it's, and it's on record. I know. Ooh. <laughs> job is to keep I've never, me humble. I've never, I've never heard that before. Uh, well, I stole it, of course, so it wasn't my idea. Even the mud obeys him when he put it on the eyes. Yes. No, the eyes. That's true. That's really interesting. Uh, so, so the creation respects him, but man, who is part of that creation, has its own will, and we get to make our own decisions. Uh, he's given us free will, according to St. Augustine, uh, and that makes us a little different. And so we look at him through all of our ego, to quote Jung, who you like a lot, uh, and that, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of complicates it. We're looking at it through individual players, and they turned away from him because not sure we like that story. You know, so that's what that's what John is saying. So it's a word about creation, and then it's a word about the people, and that's the difference between the own. And really, verse ten and verse eleven are saying the same thing. Of course, in poetry, when you repeat something, it adds emphasis. And so, and there there are lots of examples of that, and I won't give you a poetry lesson, but in in, 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 I guess this would be Greek, 
uh, he's using poetic elements to further emphasize his point. He's saying the same thing, slightly different wording, two or three times in a row, and I promise as he's preaching it, he's getting more intense each time he says it. You know, so it's a building of, of, of intensity. So he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive it. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, to those few who got it, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. So it's not a natural birth. It is an embracing of Christ's message. And so if you embrace Christ's message and Christ's sacrifice, and you, you, you lay your sins at the foot of the cross, then you become a child of God and you are reborn. Quoting Jesus himself in the Gospels. So that's his summary of what Christ is about in five paragraphs. Four paragraphs. I can count, Andrew. I know, you, I know you're looking and you're ready to tell me about it. Okay, verse 14. Uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That was probably thrown out there for those Gnostics. Uh, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, uh, meaning the Messiah, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me was surpass me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at God's Father's side, has made him known. Okay, and that's the end of the prologue. That's just to warm you up for the gospel. So this is a very different book than the last three, you know, and uh, you have to kind of dig out all the things that he refers to, he uses words in a deep way, and so it, like, which is what poetry is, and so we, you have to kind of, okay, I'm, I, obviously he was better at, at, at speaking than I am. Because he was closer to Jesus than all the rest of them? I think it was because he was old and practiced. I think it's experience in the church. Yes. Because I know, you know, I know that he's the one that they always said Jesus loved. Well, he said that. John said that. They didn't say that. Peter would have disagreed. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he had a point. Uh, or Andrew. Anyway, uh, the thing is, uh, he did, it, it was kind of bad form in ancient uh, uh, literature to refer to yourself because you're just bragging and nobody can believe your testimony. What you want to do is talk about other people, and that's the idea. So he is telling the story, but when you're in the story, you refer to everybody and not yourself. And not referring to himself actually uh, strengthens the argument that he wrote the book. Not that we need an argument, because there are references to John writing this book from his own contemporaries. Do you think that he wrote these, these got this book before he wrote his other books? 
great idea for a sermon and you, you, you lie out the outline and you realize that you preached half of this sermon in that other thing, you pull out those notes and you stick them over here and you steal from yourself, right? Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> John being the youngest um, yes. young man trying to figure himself out, he I think he latched on to Jesus probably Probably a little bit better than the other apostles, you think? Trying to look for guidance in the order of You're just metal. saying that because that Rembrandt painting. Well, no, I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Baby, I didn't, I didn't, baby, I didn't, baby. No, I, baby, you want I me to reference that all Renaissance paintings depicted him more feminine looking because they yeah, all did for little some reason. And, yeah. But I'm yeah, but anyway, but yes, but he was also the youngest. He, he well, we think so. Uh, all indications are so because in ancient literature when you list a bunch of people in Jewish literature you always start with the oldest and you go to the youngest you know and the oldest speaks for the group so if you have a bunch of shepherds the oldest shepherd there is going to step up and speak for the group the owner you know that's just that's just their tradition so you know Peter gets into all this trouble you know and we talk about Peter asking stupid questions what could have been happening is that Tholomew back there somewhere, ask Peter something that he's not getting, and Peter's the one that voices it. You know, Peter may have been asking questions he already knew the answer to because Christ needs to answer it so that Andrew gets it. You know, that's kind of his job. I'm just pulling, I'm trying to pull apostles off the top of my head. Here. Okay, all right. Yeah, I know. No offense, Andrew. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm Andrew, I, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew Jesus long ago. <laughs> it's a play. Uh -oh. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. They asked him, then who are you? Elijah? Do they believe in reincarnation? Is, it, is that what they're thinking? That, what a weird question. I mean, went up in the chariot and they think oh, because he, he's not dead. He came down from heaven. Oh, wow. That's the argument? Okay. Um, he said, I am not, because that's still kind of preposterous. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us because the bosses want to know before we shut you down. That's, that's what the message is. Uh, what do you say about yourself? And John replied in the word of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. And the Lord in that case is referring to the Son of Man, the Messiah who is coming in Isaiah. Now, some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, not Elijah, 
nor the prophet. I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The throng, thongs of throngs, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This is this all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Bethany, a lot of things happened at Bethany. Okay, baptizing. Why was John baptizing? What did it mean? You got this crazy Nazarite out in the desert, dressed in camel skin, wool, or whatever it was. That uncomfortable, cheap clothing, and he's eating bugs and honey, like a crazy man, preaching repentance. It was locusts. Because is symbolic. Uh, locusts is punishment, and honey is reward. You know, it's a symbol. And so he's saying that you need to turn from your punishment, repent, embrace the, God's true message, and you will receive that reward. I've heard that too. Baptists love that argument. So, you know, locusts are on. So you can't eat ham, but you can eat a locust. Isn't that great? And actually, there's, I, I think you and I had this discussion. There's a new movement of making locusts into um, insects, certain insects, more a dietary option. It's cheaper, and you can feed more people with like locusts and all these other. Yeah. produce as much protein just with yes. all the bugs yeah. they're, they're growing in there that takes up 100 acres of cows but this one little room has the same Asian cultures have been doing that for years and, actually. and the United States is one of the only nations that doesn't do this now the American really Indians awesome. like grasshoppers cooked with cinnamon mm. yeah that's true and and uh, and they take it and grind it up into flour it's and flour you make it the mm. thing is you make it into flour and they gave it to people who didn't know it they didn't know they couldn't tell the difference mmm tasty and actually considered more nutritional. You know, we've been eating bug parts in our candy bars we, forever. <laughs> you know, Everyone in here. Everybody's been eating so many bug parts, you might as well just embrace it. There's a percentage of, of cricket that they allow in peanut butter. A certain amount of cricket, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's where the crunch comes from? Oh, that's good. That's hilarious. That's the crunch. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've lost control. This is a psychological thing because other nations do it. We're like one of the only industrialized nations that doesn't do this. That's true. You need a couple crickets in a science class for extra credit because I really needed it. I mean, how were they? They were in cookies. Oh, okay. Yeah, you make them into cookies, you make them into biscuits. You, you. I mean, and of course the flour, you can make just about anything. And they say it's it's much cheaper to produce. And no, it, no, no, people no. can't tell the difference. Tell me it's not as gross. It's kind of like they're, we make no. fun of people in India because they don't like when we eat cow. Well, it's not, well, to them, though, it's really horrible. 
to us, when we see people in Europe eating bugs, how could you do that? They're used to it. I mean, it's it's a it's a psychological block for us. Hey, if there's if we can eat a cereal called Captain's Crunch, we should eat some crunchy food for like I have cow hearts. It's great. Oh wow. My aunt told me she uh she mixed the chicken and dumplings, I thought. And when I finished the second helping, she said, How'd you like those squirrel dumplings? I can top it all, but I'm not going to. Okay. It's better than Mountain Oyster Brothers. It tastes like roast cow, cow, cow heart tastes just like a lean piece of roast popcorn. Yeah. yeah. And there's oxtail. Oxtail, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, you open that door, sir. Oh, okay. Did I? I want to open that door. I think I should try it. I'm sorry. I should eat some monkey brand. Uh, stop. I'll stick to my tune. All right, cricket or cannibalism? Where was I? First, uh, totally lost it. 23, I think. 23. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. So, oh, a baptism, we were talking about baptizing. Um, the Jews, prior to John, back in Hebrew Jewish culture, did baptize. And what baptism was for was when you had some Philistine some woman who's married into the Jewish family, usually. Uh, she is embracing the Jewish faith, but she's an outsider and a pagan, and she can't come into the temple. And she has all these limitations on her legally. Women had a lot of limitations on them anyway. So what they would do is make her Jewish so that she can fit into this family. So you could acclimate into the Jewish culture from being from outside the culture. And what they would do is you would be baptized. You, you, would, you would die to your old self, and that was it's the same picture as we have now, and you rise up as a Jew. And so you make this public profession that I'm embracing Jew, Judaism before God, and then they dunk you, and now you're Jewish, regardless of what your ethnic and racial background was. You know, here we go. So because it's a faith rather than a race, although that gets confused a lot. Uh, so here we have John, who is saying, we have sinned as a people. Uh, the, the Pharisees have taken us away from the word of God. God is unhappy with us. We are sinning as a nation. Repent, repent, repent. That is his entire message. So if you repent and you embrace John's message and you say, yes, we're going to go back to the, the true intent of God and we are going to live our lives in a holy way and not just trying to get away with what we can get away with legally, then something needs to change. And so what he was doing was baptizing them and they are dying to their self-serving ways and they're, he is raising them up as an innocent who is now going to live a, 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 a righteous life. That's what his baptism was. 
And so people that were following John were people that were baptized into this righteousness, and they are preaching this righteousness to other Jews as they continue to look for the Messiah, who he's saying that he's not. He's just preparing this nation for that Messiah that's coming. Right? So that's what John is doing. And so... Now that some fair, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Well, why would any of those people baptize? Why, do, do you not have the right to baptize unless you're Christ or the Elijah or the prophet? It's a trick question. It doesn't really mean anything. You know, they're trying. It, it's it's a it's a it's bait. It's to get in to say something just like they've been baiting Christ and all the other synoptics. They're getting ready for it. To, they're, they're trying to trap John in saying something. So he doesn't try to justify his baptism because they're going to say, well, all those people are already Jews. Why are you baptizing Jews? That's heresy. You know, he's saying, I, I, he doesn't address the baptism. He says, I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. He quotes Isaiah and sends that back to the Pharisees. So, you know, they get to put that in their pipe and smoke it. Uh, he's the one who comes after me. The thongs of those sandals I am not worthy to untie. Uh, talking about the coming Christ. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So, John the Apostle has told John the Baptist's story as a setup for the next section where he introduces Christ. Not in Bethlehem, by the way. He doesn't go through all of the, the stories in the Synoptic Gospels. Why would he need to? That's already written. They've already read it. They've got copies, you know? So it's just, it's just spinning on old material then. He's, tell, he's preaching now. And he goes straight to the crux of when Christ begins his ministry because he is clashing with all of these heretical teachings. So, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who's also my first cousin. He, does, he doesn't say that. But I think he's, how long do you think he's known that Christ is the Messiah? He was filled with the Holy Spirit when Elizabeth was born. Good answer. Okay, maybe it was second. Were they first cousins? Yeah, they were second cousins. Yeah. You could marry your second cousin in the South. Anyway, never, never mind. Uh, I, know, I know a town you can marry your sister. Never, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm chasing a rabbit. I apologize, everybody. Okay, so, uh, yeah, second cousin. So, yeah, from the womb, you say. So, he's been building up his whole life to introduce his cousin in the world. See, when, when Mary went to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth found out she was pregnant, it said the baby leaped within her womb and was filled yeah. with the Holy Spirit. So, I think at that point, he knew it was Jesus and Mary. I didn't look this up before I came, and I should have. Uh, help me, Yak. There was a group of 
Bible, Hebrew Bible students at the time that were preaching repentance and looking for the Messiah as the, it, it, what were they called? They, they were, they the were, Essenes? Huh? The Essenes? The Essenes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, most people say that John and Jesus were trained oh, yeah. as Essenes yeah. in their early life before his ministry began. There wasn't, we're responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I've read this, but I, don't, I haven't looked it up recently. Uh, so they, they probably were studied together. So these are two relatives that have gone to school together that have known each other their whole life. And John the Baptist has known that Christ is the Son of God his whole life. And Did he, he ever do his baptism with Oh, my God. That opens up a whole world of interest, isn't it? And if John knew that Christ was the Christ from birth, Christ knew that Christ was Christ from birth. That's why when he was 12 years old, he stayed behind in the, and, yeah. in the temple preaching. And when his parents came back to find him, he said, I was about my father's business. Mm -hmm. Well, when Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest of all, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's pretty big. Yeah. And we got so little of his. Yeah. You know, that from, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, which a lot of preachers either kicking in their mother's womb to say the same thing, but that's not the same thing. Uh, he was specifically picked by God to be filled with the Spirit. The womb means that God was like, this one's going to be different than the other one. Mm -hmm. he's, I, he's got to know from the beginning. And this is an argument from silence. I understand that. But I just, you just kind of put common sense that John the Baptist, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit in mother's womb, called the greatest of all the prophets by Christ. You've got to think. He, he was... Right. He was more knowledgeable, more in tune with what God's will was than most others were. Yeah. And so I have no problem with saying that, that I think John the Baptist knew the whole time. He was just, I did a paper on him. Oh, did you now? Did. Oh, I did. wow. Wow, I didn't know that. The, never heard the, the greatest, I mean, when you think about not just the humility he had, he knew who Christ was, but he was holding back until the time. What great... And he didn't go start his own television show of preaching and asking for money. And mm -hmm. I'm doing up their social commentary here. Um, <laughs> I made Jesse mad. Yeah, it would have been the temple. I, <laughs> I made Jesse mad. I'm She's losing my She's audience. She's not gonna, I know. <laughs> but when you think of the humility it took for John the Baptist to purposely live in the desert, to wear the 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 goat skin, to mm -hmm. eat locusts, to Hold back. I know. I know. He already knew. I know what you guys don't know, but I got to hold back for right, right now. And then when Christ makes his appearance, he goes back into the background. What great humility Absolutely. that took for him, which was more power than humility is great power. Which, frankly, I know a bunch of preachers that say, I'm going to write a book. And then you think about the others arguing over who's going to be sitting on Christ's right hand. Yeah. If, you have to, if you have to talk to people about your humility, you're not a didn't he say, I must decrease so Christ can increase? Yes. <laughs> if you have to give examples of how I'm Why did you glare at me when you said that? A, <laughs> if, you have to give, if you have to give examples of how humble you are, you're not humble. Oh, well, so I'm just saying, so what, that what a great man of power he was. I'll be honest, me put in that situation, and my wife will say amen to this, 
I'm a prideful person. <laughs> it, it's hard to fight that. Dad, you're Did admitting that you're prideful. Yeah. I don't so, know that I could have kept that secret. Yeah. I really don't. Well, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and I think he just, he was the great, he was the greatest of, of all women born. No one, one is greater than John the Baptist. So and that's you, coming from the words of Christ. You take that picture of John the Baptist that you just painted. Now, he's sitting in prison. Mm hmm. And he sends going. a message to Christ saying, You're, you are the Messiah, right? But he was also human and subject to the same questions, doubts, and fears that we all have. Yeah, because but his still, job was done and he was depressed and sinking right. and well, in prison. You're in, you're in prison. You're, yeah. you're reflecting on how you've spent your life. Yeah. And remember, Christ said his statement about of all men born of women, no one's been greater than John the Baptist, said it after that thing of doubt, after the message came to came to Christ and said, hey, John's got his doubts. Yeah. Christ said it after that. Even Herod was scared of John the Baptist. What a, he was a powerful figure, yeah. powerful human being, powerful preacher. He was a crazy man in the desert. But How Christ, would Herod see him as dangerous? I mean... Well, because the people were because following. people were following him. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that they were scared to upset. Remember, they said, "Well, if we say this, if if he's from John the Baptist, they're well, that we're criticizing John the Baptist. The people are going to rise up against us." Right. And John the Baptist was popular. Right. Amongst the people, and you know, because you know they liked him, he was kind of like putting the conservative Pharisees in their place. Sure. And you know, and the people saw that the, the Pharisees were scared of him, and that made him even. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's the rebel. He's the rebel, but he was biblical, and he was the prophet. He's a biblical rebel. I mean, he was a, I mean, I got an A on that paper, too, by the way. Oh, good for you. Yeah. And the professor okay. went, amen. Herod didn't want Wow. I told you I'm prideful. And Herod didn't want to that he was condemning him you for marrying his brother's wife. I am not John the Baptist. And Herod Diaz, she got her, she got her, she, she shut him up, but Herod Diaz did. I mean, I, I'm just impressed with his character, with his, I mean, and you, so little in the Bible is about his ministry and what he said, except for these little bits and pieces in the Gospels. And he, did, he didn't write an epistle, he didn't write a book. But I mean, I'm just always awestruck by when, from the words of Jesus' mouth, from his mouth, no one born of woman was ever as great as this guy. Okay. Brother Yeg, I'm going to read the rest of this passage, and then we're going to stop, and then you get the final say, oh, and then class is over, okay? You have the final say. Now, no, listen to me. Listen to me. Don't, don't back down. Oh, you I want you to listen while I read it, and then you say your thing, and I'm turning off the mic. That's what we're doing. This is the one I meant, and I'm at verse 30. When I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So that, that's John talking about Christ. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit came down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Now, wouldn't that mean that he just now recognized him as Jesus, sir? Or was that a verification of what he thought? Fair enough. Is that all you got? That's your final thought? That's my final okay. thought. Okay. <laughs> we are signing off, and I'm sorry you can't come, James. I hope you're actually listening. Bye. Yeah, so try some, try some lo locusts. <laughs> yeah.